Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today uh, to a live broadcast of Still Growing in Grace. Uh, I have a guest coming in. I pre-recorded it, but it's a great video. Uh, one of a several that we're going to try and do over the next little while. Um, dealing with the topic of knowing God's will. What is it? And all the confusion around it. Um, but there's multiple lenses out there. Uh, I grew up with one lens that said, you know, everything is God's way and God's will. And, and I want to I unpack that because I think where I, where I found more beauty is in the mystery of it. What is it really? You know, is it so simple? Well, I think it's simple and mysterious. So let's listen into a uh, uh, good conversation with Bill Thrasher. I think you'll really, really enjoy this. Hello, uh, welcome to Still Growing in Grace, uh, a program that uh, highlights that all of us are still growing. None of us have arrived, and there's so many topics to learn and grow in. Uh, welcome, Bill Thrasher from Atlanta, just south of Atlanta, or are you right in Atlanta? Actually, north of Atlanta. Um, north, north of Atlanta. Atlanta. Well, how yeah. far away from Bill Murray? Uh, Bill Murray or yeah. Richard Murray? <laughs> Richard, sorry, Richard. Bill Murray. Yeah, he'd be laughing too hard. Sorry. Yeah, he's about an hour north of where I'm at. That's cool. Yep. Have you had yeah, a chance we, to meet him? Yeah, no, actually, we've, yeah, he's come to our house. He actually uh, oh. comes to our home church when we were in session. He's come there quite a few times, and okay. we've had him host uh, and, and been a participant in, in several of our conferences we've had here locally. So, yeah, he and I are very close. Uh, That's cool. I, very, I very, really like him. I'm looking forward to getting to him. He's an awesome guy. Very, very, uh, very much a mentor to me in, in many ways. Uh oh, what was that noise? Did you hear that? Mm-mm. Oh, I heard some. Okay, I'm going to shut down other things just so we don't have any interruptions here. Um, I want to talk to you about a topic that's come up in uh, one of our small groups here at, at Hope Fellowship, um, the idea of the will of God. Now, mm -hmm. I've, I've taught on it. I've looked at it, um, discussed it with people, <coughs> but I'm, I'm hearing a lot of chatter from folks that are deconstructing, those that are growing in grace, those are the, that uh, don't care about grace, they just like their traditional faith uh, journey. But it's still a big issue. Well, what is God's will? They say, well, God's will is whoever's going to win the election. It's God's will. Or um, God's will is something we have to tag on the end of every prayer just in case. And I'm thinking, we got to unpack this thing. Yeah. And uh, it's maybe it's not what we thought it was. I don't know. What have you heard that causes the um, your uh, flag to go up with uh, alarm? Go, hang on. What kind of comments are causing you to want to jump on the topic of God's will? Yeah, I think I think you hit a couple of them uh, really clearly, in in how kind of we many of us who especially come through the Western mindset of church have have kind of been taught to evaluate and interpret. God's will, right? That God's will is this sovereign, con like hand of control <laughs> over ooh, all things, ooh. right? And I've definitely had to challenge that over the last several years of my own kind of, uh, you know, 
I'm I'm moving and pivoting away from deconstruction and going toward disassembly as my personal word, because uh, I think this is the deconstruction is a sledgehammer that that leaves you such small pieces sometimes that yeah. it makes it hard to reassemble it back into something that that can really still still have purpose and structure. So mm-hmm. I, I for me disassembly I I want the same building blocks, but they just need to be put into a different framework right someone i spoke to used the word it's a renovation more than a uh destruction they're mixing up deconstruction exactly. With destruction exactly and, and then deconstruction can be done in a in a, in a i think a more clean way if yeah. you like all that but i think that word's grown some pretty you know i don't know well that's a whole nother topic for another well, day let's, let's do it let's do that topic sometime soon because <laughs> that's another big one it is. i want to dive into so. yeah absolutely but so, you well, know well, I, God, here we go through my disassembly process, Will, I love to think about words, right? And and if you went in and said, hey, it's it's Mike Zinker's will that the – we were just talking football before we went live yeah. – that, that the Patriots uh, do better next year than they're going to do this year with uh, with Cam Newton. <laughs> what would be a synonym for will there? Are you – Desire. Capable? Yeah, exactly. You're not capable of controlling it, right? Mm-hmm. You, even even if you own the team, you, you really don't have the capability of, of you you have pieces of control, but you don't have the ability to control all the variables in that situation. And I think when we take desire and anytime we just substitute that simple synonym, all the things, all of a sudden things shift in terms of understanding God's will. That God's will isn't some heavy hand of coercive manipulation, but it is this, it is this kind of tug of of trying to use compassion and trying to guide us into a, a place of alignment with where his desires are and move us in, into the same mindset as his desires. And then all of a sudden we start co-creating some, some blessing to this, to this creation that we are both, you know, entangled with, so to speak. Yeah. I, uh, I grew up, uh, praying that I have to pray for God's will mm-hmm. and I have to make sure I find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's going to be, it's up to me, <laughs> you know? So that mindset was a, a pretty big one. And as long as I could find a Bible verse to back it up, it's God's will. That's right. <laughs> and even then the, the problem is there's a contradictory kind of thing happening there. Like God's got all the stepping stones out. He's laid them out for you. But it's you that has to walk them appropriately. And if you slip, then that's on you. Mm-hmm. And you have to get back on the path and continue to walk them. Or maybe if you're lucky, God will create a new path off that path. But then that path was always really God's will. You just didn't know it. And then all of a sudden you get this like, nothing seems to make sense anymore, right? And so I think when we start to understand that God isn't planning out the future, which is a really hard thing for, I think, Westerners try and take hold of, but that God is in his infinite goodness, allowing all things to be both free in their chaotic kind of manifestation. And simultaneously, we can trust his desires and his love to be strong enough to, to pull that towards some sort of outcome where everything ends up for good it, it seems to be contradictory but it's not it's it's a paradox and there's a big difference between paradox and contradiction and so god's god's desire 
his his power of love, this unfailing love is is guaranteed <laughs> to take us somewhere despite the freedom of our desires to to cohabitate and co-create inside of this this existence, right? And so that's some big stuff. I know it's big concepts, but it does start to shift this whole you know thing, this this control mechanism that we've been taught so so many times and so for so long. So I guess our concept of God plays a major role in how we view this topic of Absolutely. what is the will of God. Exactly. Huh. So what would be a harmful perspective that you've come across that is an unhealthy way to see God? Yeah, I think when God, you know, everything starts to reframe in our hearts when we take Christ and the, the person Jesus and start to understand him as the exact representation of God, as Hebrews tells us, uh, I believe 10.3, I think. Um, and, and before I had that in my kind of perspective, I, I was kind of always under the impression through through the teachings I had been you know raised with that that God wasn't necessarily son in fact God was kind of I mean Jesus was God but he really wasn't and God was kind of in one area at odds with Jesus and another area in alignment with Jesus and there's a Holy Spirit thing that's over there floating around that maybe comes when you call her maybe he does when you don't you know you know that, that when I come to a perspective that God is this force that is both sovereign but also manipulatable and and independent of Christ in mm -hmm. some way, shape, or form. Then there's a lot of unhealthiness that begins to come from from that very quickly, um, and that's just not even in a Christian paradigm. I think almost every faith uh, paradigm, you know, has this this kind of essence. And I think mimetic theory, not to take a tangent, you know, says that it says that human beings have all kind of missed our mark sinned on under misunderstanding that God is this appeasable force through something we can do. We do it right. Right. And God's God in that, that will is for us to do it right, mm -hmm. but we always fail. So God's created some sort of, again, work around that we can maybe get back into his good graces, get back in his good will. And then we throw Jesus into that equation and yada, yada, yada. When we, take that off the table and we replace God's nature with Christ as the exact representation and begin to elevate Christ as the fullness of the Godhead in our understanding, our, our tangible understanding. And we understand that the Trinity itself in all ways looks like Christ who <laughs> laid down his life, who gave up his will, who gave up his control and decided not to strong arm us into doing something one way only. And yet still in our alienated state, in our place of enmity, gave us grace and gave us love. Well, all of a sudden God changes and now he's not forcing us in, into some sort of narrow path of will, but he's, he's bringing forth a fruit, a, you know, a garden of fruit where our wills begin to blossom with the same desires of his heart. Well, that goes against what I kind of heard growing up, that if it's yeah. going to be God's will, it's not going to be a good situation. So when we pray for God's direction for our future, please don't send me to Africa. 
But if you go, well, it has to be God's will because you know what? We can't do things we enjoy. It's got to be a difficult thing or even worse in relationships. You know, I don't want to marry this person, but it's God's will. It's going to be a really rough one. Or I'm in a bad marriage. Oh, it's God's will. I stay with them. Are you kidding? Like to me, this is brutal when it comes to misconceptions of God's will and how it carries out in Christian tradition. Absolutely. You know, because let's look, look at some marriages for a moment. Uh, there are some marriages that are in a really bad place, but one of the spouses just feels they're, you know, waiting for God's will and it must be their roles to suffer for Jesus. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that? Because to me, there's something really wrong with that. Uh, to me, the grace is the, uh, is to move out for healing or permanent, whatever ends up becoming the outcome. I don't know. But the idea of living in abuse, that's not God. No, it's not. And I think that's where, you know, we we replace that will, that 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 path of force, you know, that we've kind of framed that word around, and we we replace it with the synonym synonym desire. You know, is is it God's the the desire for us to live in any situation when which brings suffering or harm into his kids? I mean, we can take an easy, you know, parallel. Do, do you as a father or me as a father, I'm a father of two children. Mm-hmm. Do I ever want my kids to suffer? Heck no. no now, you would jump in right away. Absolutely. Am I also willing as a father, willing, desiring as a father to to slowly grant, which I have a 17-year-old and 15-year-old now, by the way, so I've been a, I'm in that phase, um, <laughs> grant them certain freedoms where they can taste the consequences of those freedoms naturally inside of enough of a, con, you know, controlled way, you know, not, not that I'm trying to control them, but I'm trying to allow them to have some sense of if I do this, there is an unhealthy result. Yeah. Right. And I think that there is that part of the equation and that gets confused with will a lot of time. Um, there's a lot of confusion that because there are still negative consequences to many of our unhealthy decisions in this life that we think that God is, you know, punishing us for making a bad mistake. And he's not ever punishing us. Perfect love frees us from that fear of punishment, right? That's what it says in first John, but back back to our concept of who we think God is. Exactly. Back to there. So God is not punishing us, but God is allowing us to explore the, the, that co-creating power that we have. And there are consequences against unhealthy decisions. And he allows us to do that. Just like you may allow your, your toddler to, to wander around and fall down a few, a few times before they figure things out. It's not an unloving freedom. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's an extremely loving freedom. And we are given the, the opportunity to go and find those fruits of the spirit and find out, are they really what, you know, brings life to, to this, to this creation, to ourselves, to those around us, you know, joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Hey, let me, let me flip it one other way. Cause I, I can hear somebody's voice in my head right now. It's switching to a job perspective because marriage, that's one extreme yep. category. Okay. The way yep. I was describing it, that's, that's, that is an extreme extreme, but there are people that are in jobs and they have this idea that what's God's will for me. And they think that it means now I got to go find what I love to do the best, follow mm. my heart's desires. When the job you have is completely supporting your family, exactly. your attitude that needs to change. Has that come up in, in your talking or thinking? 
Oh, absolutely. It's come up in my personal life. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I actually, uh, I was on staff at a church for two years and left a very good job and I had dreams. And I honestly, to this day, I think it was a, a healthy decision in many ways, but it, it came with a lot of consequence. Am I going to call it God's will? Like, did God like put that opportunity in one place? And then if I didn't hit that door, then, then the rest of my life was going to fall apart. No, I don't think that. I think it was one of many avenues of, of, options that I had in front of me and, and God was partnering with me in that, that journey. But I mean, it did come with positive impacts yep. and it also came with a lot of negative impacts. And, and, and both of those are, are just part of this, 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 this experience that is life. And, and the more you realize again, like you're saying that God is not for and or against any given thing, but with us through the entirety but that's of hard, that experience. That's hard to take in. It, even the worst of decisions. And that that's yeah. really hard to take well, in. Well, then you're second guessing. Now you're wondering, yeah. I should have took door number three. Why would I do What was I doing there? <laughs> like second you know, guess is like the work thing. I mean, let's say you embezzle millions of dollars and uh, that God partners with that, uh, co suffers with that. I mean, that just doesn't feel right. And yet that's what Jesus tells us. I mean, Jesus shows us that in the flesh when he goes and eats with Zacchaeus, right? Like he's God in the representation of Christ isn't afraid of getting dirty, dirty with us. And also then walking out of that, that mess with us and walking back to the father's house where we're covered in pig crap. And because I don't think it's God's desire. I don't think it's God's desire for us to stay in that embezzlement no. of whatever no. category you want. He'll enter into that with us. Yes. So he's not absent and find a way out of it. And it might be jail. It might be hell. It might and it be may not even be inside of tempor this temporal world. Yeah. It may be beyond the veil of this, this, this paradigm that we, we experience right now. And that's, I think the beauty of, of God's um, greatness, right? The, the, the quote unquote sovereignty part of God is there's not a place we can escape his love for us. So when somebody asks you, what is God's will? Have you got a response? Or is that too much on the spot? No, I, I, I do. I think God's, I, I, my personal answer for that in that elevator speech scenario is God's <laughs> ultimate desire. God's ultimate will is two things. To know that you are unconditionally loved, number one, first and foremost. And to allow that love to become who you were meant to be. A, a, an image bearer of the divine, right? You are a reflection of that unconditional love that you begin to take that love and radiate it in, inside of this world. That's it. God's foremost will as expressed on the cross is to know that you are completely loved and, and express that love in return. Everything boils down to that, right? And then when you think about Jesus and the greatest commandment, those kind of things, a new commandment, that's what he was saying. He was basically saying, you know, that's that's God's greatest desire is, is for you to know that you to love others as you've first been loved. But if you grew up in the church, you've been conditioned to hear that God's will is a plan. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, the very first evangelism tool used for many people is that God has a plan for you. <laughs> right? You know the plans I have to you, Prosper, is like Joshua, I think. Yeah, exactly. Right. Jeremiah. We go to a new covenant verse and we pull it way out of context, and yep. boom, this is the will of God, right? Yeah. 
That may well, have been the guy. Yeah. I've, I've used the, the phrase that the will of God is a person. It's, it mm-hmm. is Jesus. Jesus is yeah. the will of God for us. But that leaves us stuck inside this huge building, okay, that's dark. And you're sitting in the dead center, and all you look up and see all this. Or how about a huge field? The, looking at the stars, right? Like massive. Like which which one? There isn't one. This is enjoying the awe of God. And for the next ten minutes, you're gonna look at that color scheme over there. And then for half an hour, you can look at a different one. Like it, it isn't a controlled thing. It's about the presence awareness. Yeah which will guide you into all thinking, including good choices, bad choices. Like I, I've prayed for God to give me a sense of a choice. What, what decision Absolutely. do I make? And I never heard. And so mm-hmm. I had to choose and he was still in it. But I didn't know that at the time. It was hindsight that allowed mm-hmm. me to see how God has been present, even in my anxiety, which yeah. revealed where I was living my de- in from my dependence was on my decision making, which right. is extremely humbling. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and this is where it gets, I think um, it can get nuanced um, in each individual's experience with God. I I experience the divine in a different way than you, than I do a different way from my wife. And I think as humans, we want to take how I've experienced it and maybe place it as this kind of boilerplate thing. And I have no doubt in my mind that there have been moments in time where I have felt explicitly guided hmm. into a situation or hmm. there has been a coincidence. God a great coincidence, right? There's two hmm. things happening and there's just, we call it a God thing. It's just this yep. like, ah, this collision of grace and truth and love and just what, how did this all happen? And and so I don't want to deny that that there is something much more entangled happening in this creation, that there is this force of love that is gravitating all things together for goodness. Yep. And that is part of God's will. Um, and so I don't, I don't want to ever take that out, that there is a, and I'm probably using the wrong word, but it's the only word I have, I think, in human language, a destination that we're headed to, but it's not a place. Right. It's not a, it's not a physical place. Um, we would call it heaven, maybe again in our in our language, but it is a state of being. It's not real state. Right. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah. It's a state where creation, all creation is groaning for us to awaken to our identity, right? Mm. As sons and daughters of God, right? And so there is a desire that the, the desire of God is is entangled with every element of creation inside of every breath of I am. I am Bill. I am Mike. I am Steve or Craig or Julia or any, whatever name. I am. Every one of us has the voice, the breath of I am in us. And so when, when our identities capture the taste of God's desire in its truest Mm. And most pure sweetness, we can't help but to want more. Well, there's a knowing. There's this, yeah. whatever it is. It's so oh. supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> right? it it's so supernatural that we just, we, we're, we're made, to, we're, we crave it. Mm-hmm. And we can't help but to allow our will to come into alignment with Father's will. I, um, wonder, I wonder if the question sometimes is wrong. The idea mm-hmm. of what is God's will. 
I don't hear Joseph asking that question. I didn't see uh, Adam ask that question. Uh, Moses, um, Peter didn't really ask that question. You know, like it's an odd question. I think only church people ask that one. Huh? I think so. And and I, I actually pulled it up right before we started. First uh, Thessalonians four three, which is kind of one of those. I think you know we take one thing and and especially in the Bible and like good grab it and then we, you know, this is this is the will of God the sanctification of you. Mm. We're like, oh, it's for you to be holy, right? And then we go to legalism and what does holy mean? And, and, and this is where all this stems from is there's one or two of these writings that we just have totally taken out of context and misapplied. You, you didn't. You you put it into context. You At least the way you <laughs> paraphrased it was to know our identity. Well, if you come from a perspective of identity, exactly. Oh. If you come from a perspective holding this being the legality equation okay. right mm -hmm. then we can twist it which is what religion does time and time and time again um but once we break free of that bondage and we realize that we are unconditionally included and loved in god's in sky god, god's good you know great goodness then now it does become an uh, it, it changes the entire that god's greatest desire is for you to know you are completely mm. set apart and it goes on in that same first, sorry. Yeah, it goes on the same first to say you shouldn't. Uh, you need to abstain from sexual immorality, but that's not what the words mean, right? It's not what the words mean. It means don't sell yourself. That's all it means. Don't sell yourself. Sell yourself to what? It's not talking. I mean, I think we take it and we 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 literalize things like that so poorly in our. Again, the way we've been brought up, we take Paul's writing and we think he's talking about literal sex. And maybe there's a facet there, but there's something so much deeper going on. Mm -hmm. It's about the union that we were made for, not about the union we're selling ourselves into. That's a facsimile of what true union is meant to, to, to manifest and grow. So you were right. saying something about discovering your what? Your start with the C, a complete... Um, holiness or whatever but the word completeness snuck in there in my mind that mm. to discover that how complete we are that's right otherwise, otherwise we're craving for something that is already ours a sense of somebody that we already are and don't know it yeah yeah we start with a position of lack or an identity of yeah. lack mm -hmm. then we can never understand that there's never enough um I, i've seen that so many times I, I know so many people that believe that god's will is for you to have, be, have more god i just need more I need more, <laughs> I need more and that goes back to your thing god's greatest desire as we've kind of already touched on multiple times is for you to know that you are completely loved mm -hmm. right and not not completely as in only on god's equation but that you are full you are the fullness of that love right now as you are no strings attached so that might mean it's not about trying to find god's will but to find god in us in its fullness so that mm -hmm. it will then overflow it's like popping the cork once That's we exactly. discover like we shook the bottle long enough that boom it's going to explode and the carbonation is just going to keep spilling out because it can't <laughs> so you're going to make me go pg-13 on this thing because oh, what you're sorry. describing oh, no no, no. <laughs> you're describing is the intimacy of of orge yeah right wrath you're wow. you're, you're describing those things right <laughs> we're, we're you know we're taking a little tangent but god's will is for us to experience his 
and this sounds crazy, wrath. Not wrath is negative. Wrath is in the passion. The word means swollen with passion. Yep. Yikes. (laughs) Yeah. So quickly moving on. um, (laughs) But but that word orge, the word wrath, if you look it up in the lexicons and dictionaries for all the church leaders that study, there's more than one word there listed as definitions. It's like you look up the word uh, root. Uh, yeah. In the dictionary, well, do you mean R O O T or R O U T E? Like, what do you mean? So, the word uh, orge there is referring to any intense emotion. Absolutely. Well, one of them's anger. Yeah. And then there's excessive love. So, which one is it? Like, I have excessive anger or emotion or wrath when my kid's about to get hit by a car. I will lunge right. out to try and save it. Absolutely. And I scream and I look it's like something to the other Pardon? Not against us. It's only directed for us. And against anything that harms us. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. And when we understand again, now we're we're redefining in our in our consciousness who God is. And that starts to then completely reframe mm-hmm. his desires as we know them, as we know them with intimacy, as we know them with union. And once we become one in our in our alignment of thinking. With that, now we begin to manifest and co-create those same desires in our own lives effortlessly. And it, I don't want to do the things that's harmful to myself anymore, uh, whatever that is. I don't want to make that bad decision. My son made a terrible decision last night. I'm not going to get into the details, but you know, he's he's having to learn that I my, I can respond with anger or I can respond with grace, right? And I. I had a little bit of both. Both of them were passionate toward for my son, not against him, because I don't want him to be harmed by the negative consequences of a 17-year-old boy, <laughs> right? And so I think my heart for him is the same heart, in, except even better for us from, from our representation that we see in Christ of the Father. Yeah. Hmm. That's really cool. I'm looking at the clock. We're done. We are there. 28 minutes and 34 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're going to come back to this one because I've I got a couple of notes about God's will that it'd be fun to chat with you about. Because And if we're prepared for it, it'll go deeper. But the idea of basics, we just talked about the basics today. Then the question of does God control? It's mm-hmm. going to come in. It's all part of this. Uh, what is God's will? We still didn't define it. Um, although... It's being defined. It may not have a perfect definition. And what about free will? How does that fit in? Mm-hmm. Right? Those are big ones. They are big ones. So if you're game, I mean, maybe we'll pull in uh, uh, Richard Murray into this too. It'd be oh, yeah. The three of us would have a great time. I, I, like yeah. I said, and I, okay. I love Richard, and we, we definitely would have uh, some, uh, some good conversations there. For sure. Good. All right. Well, thank you for taking time with me today. Um, My folks, thanks for watching uh, Still Growing in Grace. Uh, enjoy us when we come back next time as we can probably continue this topic or we may popcorn and jump between a, a couple of topics moving closer to this next season. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next week.
Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.